Hello, Martin. How's your day been? Ben, yeah, very good, thank you. Busy day. Um, got a new client on, and oh, they've only just started uh, the last four months. Uh, started their own business. Uh, oh, really? Have they? Wow. Printer side, and he's really good at what he does. However, he's just struggling to get in front of people. And of course, that's where we come in. So yeah. uh, it's been a really busy day for that and quite profitable for him. So it's good news. Good. Um, so you're Martin from Double Tap. Um, tell me a little bit about your company. And and um, in fact, actually, before we go there, uh, just to let everyone know how we met. Um, like like many people, I meet them at our workshop that we've, uh, we've given somewhere. And I think you came along to that. I, I can't remember what the topic was off the top of my head now, but we had a chat afterwards. Oh, I know it was SEO. Yeah. And as part of the workshop, I said, hey, if you if you want to get a backlink from us, because that was one of the strategies uh, to uh, for search optimization, then come on our podcast. Because if you come on and you can talk talk about something interesting, then you get a, a, a link on our on our blog and a video and, and all that sort of good stuff. So so, yes, tell me a little bit about Double Tap. What, what do you do and how, how do you help people? Yeah. So Double Tap Marketing, uh, we specialize in introducing our clients to their ideal customers. So we focus mainly on the outbound side. So this is the emailing to the right types of businesses and then phoning. And I think the phoning is the key part because it's quite easy to monitor someone. You can uh, track their clicks on the website and um, what they're typing into Google and what ads they're either going on to or not going on to. And you can spend months doing this mm. uh, just to understand are they interested in buying or for us we just pick up the phone understanding what position they're in um, getting a bit of a warm lead from the introductory email are they showing an interest and then phoning and understanding what genuine position they're in are they looking to buy at the moment do we need to put them into a sales pipeline from a nurturing perspective and when they're ready to buy brilliant we'll be there so we don't miss any opportunities um, and i think the opportunities is probably the key bit mm. because we work with so many different areas there's a, a type of conversation, certainly high level telemarketing, where you're able to understand an opportunity and perhaps create one, but without going too technical. So you don't need to know every, if it's IT support, for example, you don't need to know every aspect of networking or the host of desktops or BDIs, et cetera. But you can get to a point where, okay, there is definite interest there because they've got problems with this or that. And that's where we come in. So we just create a list of all these potential opportunities and pass them over to clients. You're, you're doing a lot of the phone calls yourself. Are you going through the whole process or are you training customers on how to do it for themselves? At the moment, we act more as a uh, marketing department for mm. small businesses. So if you're very, very good at what you do, but the trouble is you just haven't got the time or it's quite a different skill, to open up that conversation, mm, with, yeah. uh, email or the phone call, and then turn that into an opportunity. So that might be something that a lot of the clients, they just don't want to do because they're very good at what they do. And that's right. The way we work is more of an outbound marketing department. So we will look after every aspect from understanding who your ideal clients are through to turning them into opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll do all the calling, we'll manage the CRM. So from a client perspective, other than the initial, this is who I want, this is how I want our message to be perceived, and this is how I want us to come across, there isn't as much that they need to do, which one saves them a lot of time, but it also means that when we've got questions, we can just 
ask uh, if there's objections, for example, how would you go through the process with them? So we certainly can train and get to a point, but at the moment it's more of a, we are a, a marketing department on their behalf. And I want to find out a little bit more about the process. It'd be good to go through maybe an example of how you might do that. While I'm on it, I do like your uh, the little animation you've got on the, the homepage. Uh, just quickly, how did that come about? The idea was, can I, in one animation or one picture originally, can I get across what we do? So with the data, making sure it's the right clients, the email aspects, making sure we're introducing ourselves, then the phoning, the reporting, the nurturing, and then converting into a meeting. So that's what I tried to get that across. And with a bit of animation, it was quite fun going through the process of me just scribbling down ideas on isometric paper. All right. And how, how did you get, how did you transform those sketches into the, these nice crisp images? So I typed in isometric studios and um, just to see what would come up and obviously there's a lot what kept coming up with fiverr.com and i just went through there was a few options there decided it made sense to put a big brief together so it was difficult to mix my message up but it turns out yes. with that there was a lot of back and forth yeah and it's nice just just for people who are listening on uh, audio only as you said it's an isometric design showing like elements of an office really i mean different different parts of an office it almost looks like a little game where you could jump from different platforms it's certainly worth looking at and and i actually find quite calming I I love watching these little paper planes flying around in the image. It looks quite nice. I wish most offices were that calming. Anyway, thanks thanks for going through that. I was just interested about how, how that got made. Uh, would you mind taking us through uh, sort of an example process for, uh, you don't have to name names, but just run us through what you might do for a typical client. So the first step, of course, the obvious one is understanding what it is the company does and with that message it's okay well that's nice and clear so then it turns into well how do we want to get that out and who do we want to get that out to we've got to understand who their ideal clients are at the moment so their favorite customers that they would just love more of so let's mm. try and replicate those customers uh, and it's where are they and is it director level is it you know one one lower down who are we looking to speak to we will then find a gdpr compliant list with the direct emails of those people and all the contact details. So we've got their phone number. We know we're legally allowed to speak to them. Uh, and we also know that there is genuine interest or potential interest of these, let's say it's a thousand companies, all of them can do business with our client. So any one of them that says, actually, yeah, we're having a problem right now. This would, this was such good timing. Let's, um, let's arrange a meeting. Then brilliant. We know any one of those can work. So we've got the right people. Then there's the how we're getting the message across because mm -hmm. with, say, financial institutes and companies, if we're working on their behalf, then we know a lot of the time we would need to be a bit slower perhaps and we need to mimic how that company comes across. But then if we're dealing with a creative company, perhaps there's a bit more fast-paced and a bit more yeah. we've got ideas bouncing around. So we try and tie that in as well. That's the messaging from the email and any social, but also on the phone. So it's that's important. And because on the phone, it's very much a high level conversation. This is director level. So it's got to be articulate. We don't use scripts. So tell me a little bit more about that. Why, why you don't use a very scripted uh, formulaic approach? So although it might work from a survey perspective, uh, if it's just high volume calls, this is almost the opposite. Mm -hmm. This is if an owner of their company is wanting to speak to another owner, that kind of conversation is what we are representing. Right. And in order to do that effectively, it's just got to be done by someone who's one, got experience. So from a telemarketing point of view, I mean, at least 15 to 20 years are the, the types of people uh, that I use. Having a script is very, because it's so structured, it's very difficult to, to go from 
uh, one topic to the next. So just having a fluid conversation with key points of what you need to get out of that conversation is key. There's got to be some kind of structure. But there's also got to be some freedom within. And that seems to allow to build uh, relationships much quicker. Yeah, I think that's nice. Otherwise, it can end up, well, formulate conversation. It doesn't appear genuine, certainly on the, the person who's uh, who you're calling or speaking to, to allow something to be quite free. I guess you've obviously got calls to action in there. You know, you're going to bring... You're going to move it to some sort of conclusion where possible, but allowing the conversation to flow is really, is really nice. And I, I don't see enough of that, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So if we've got the right data, we've emailed in the right manner, and that's a mix of HTML with uh, some visuals that represent the website, perhaps, but also just standard because they're the ones that seem to get the most engagement. If you get something that looks like it's to you, it's text. If you press reply, you think it's, you're at least going to go back to the sender. Whereas yeah. if it's a newsletter-esque, you're thinking, is it going to go to a no reply at? Even though I can yeah. see it's the same, is it a no reply at? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, getting that balance is, is key as well. And certainly some campaigns we do, it works a lot better just doing text, whereas others, they prefer seeing a bit more of a visual. Just out of interest, and I ask because I'm seeing this trend a little bit more and more, do you um, ever you engage video in your uh, emails? So at the start of the year, for six clients, just did a very personalised this is who we are. Mm. The background was, it was just a simple business background. It wasn't anything yeah. fancy and with the logo, etc. So the click-through rate was a lot higher and also, and it did take a lot more time. So I mm. haven't really done it since. I actually chose five, the top five businesses that we wanted to get hold of for that client and actually spoke to them, spoke to Mrs. Decision Maker at. Oh, right. So very much on an individual case-by-case um, -case basis. I could, I should have just knocked on their door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some didn't open it and you're thinking, oh man, <laughs> just engages doing that. But it was worth going through that process because of the ones who did open it, they then got in touch. Though I think three of them, they didn't even need the, the service, but it got them to pick up the phone, mm -hmm. which I think is very difficult from an email. Going yeah, on to the website, absolutely fine. But to pick up and say, I don't even need your services, at least was an appreciation of, well, I can see you've tried that. But yes, it did take time. It was worth it. I'd certainly do it again, but it would have to be... Yeah, very well thought out. Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that. I've just, uh, we've been working with a few clients um, just on a, a few emails and and they've been experimenting with with video. They were demonstrating a, a machinery product. And we, we did find that just having the thumbnail as the person who's uh, going to present and the machine in the background was much more effective from, from your point of view as a way of just engaging more people and just getting that initial contact so you can call them. Uh, it's certainly worth investigating. Well, I interviewed a, a woman called um, Michelle Evans back in Feb. Lovely woman, really talking about marketing funnels and how she uses webinars really for that particular process. So it's very much presenting a webinar, putting that content out there that may lead people through to another webinar where they get more niche content. And then that might go on to whatever you're selling, whether it be a software package or another webinar or, or workshop or something like that. Do you feel that what, what you do falls into that approach of sort of process of moving people and nudging them on, nudging them forward? Yeah, the initial step, of course, when we've we've got the right person, we've engaged with them, we've hopefully spoken to them and understood, okay, it is of interest, but not quite yet. Or we're still in contract. Can you call us in nine months? Sure. Yeah. So, of course, yes, that goes on the 
the CRM and we, we're not going to miss that opportunity. Yeah, so that's something you would manage, is it? You would take ownership of that and say, well, I'm going to follow that through until it falls off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, for us, it's all about opportunities yeah. and not missing them. What we would do is in between that time, we've got permission because we've spoken to them, of course, and we've said, okay, is it okay to, to send something sort of in between? Of course, yeah. And on the phone, if you've got two very nice people speaking, then of course it's amicable and it is, yes, of course, by all means, send me something. And if it's relevant, then exactly what it should be. So for IT support, for example, we might do a newsletter sort of every two months, just saying something of interest. Like at the moment, um, Microsoft and their um, servers, 2008, they're all end of support. Sort of in yes. Yeah. So although most people have moved on, some haven't. And those who are just so focused on, I do this, I do it really well. IT for me is just a necessary evil. <laughs> to, I mean, that kind of thing, they would find that information interesting if it's relevant to them. And that's all it is. It's as simple as that. It wouldn't be a hard, let's move you on quicker. I know you said I'm nine months, but let's turn it to six. Yeah. yeah. Whenever you're ready, let's just be helpful. There is an A to B and it's just how do you get there in the nicest way. So when they are ready to buy, you're in the forefront of their mind, but with that, you haven't pestered them. It's all very pleasant and it's what we would want. I think that's probably the uh, thing to mention is how would I want to be treated, potential buyer, because we, we all get so many emails, etc. And only some are relevant at the right time. So how do you keep the relevance there when until you're ready to buy? So it's a bit of a, I don't want to say an art, but it's just been respectful, probably where I'm coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Would you would you mind sharing your sort of a good ideal marketing strategy from a, a core point of view? Phoning the customer was very much part of that. Could you just put a few steps in place that people could start to work towards? So number one, when you're calling, you have to make sure that the company is not on the CTPS register or TPS, so the right. corporate telephone preference service, because that would stop you from phoning them. Although I think technically you can phone any main office number, that's more for the direct, mm-hmm. it's still well worth doing just to make sure you're okay. So you've already decided who your ideal clients are. Um, it's then, well, where are they? Does it mean you buy a list of a hundred that are definitely CTPS checked? And if so, yeah, brilliant. You haven't spent very much at all, but you've now got 100 or 500 or a thousand companies that you know you can do business with, if only you can get hold of them. Then you can decide, well, do I want to email them and just test the water there. If they're interested, brilliant. I can follow that up with a call. Otherwise, it is just a cold call. It's all very well. It takes the, uh, the right type of character to do that, but a nice one, it just doesn't take rejection badly or personally. We'll just keep on going until the right person has said, yep. It is of interest to me. But there are methods on the phone that are really important. I think one is when you're speaking to that reception or a PA, whoever you've got through to first, because realistically, it's not going to be that senior decision maker. It's just treating them as respectfully as possible. Because one, yes, they're going to give you permission. But I think from a just being a nice person, people like to help nice people. It's nicer to put down the phone and go, yeah, I didn't put them through, but they've made my day because they're just pleasant. That's is ideal. So that's the mindset I'd be going in, not the hard sell. It's just that can I just be nice and see where we stand with things. So if you've you've got the people, you've maybe emailed, maybe you haven't put the phone call in, you've either got through to the right person or you haven't. Either way, the whole process should be, mm. I think, how would you want to be spoken to? That's what I would do. And if it's cold calling, I'd be emailing first. I think that's the key thing here, isn't it, really? So whether you're getting a list or you're getting leads from an online form, is to warm those people up to make sure that they're ready 
for the call, which hopefully will end in a sale. But there's no point forcing them down that route. It's about if, if you've got questions that need to be answered, some of that can be done on the call, but some of that could be done in advance to make sure they're the right people. So you're not wasting your time and theirs. I think, yeah, classifying first is could I do business with them in the first place? Then qualifying them. Are they in a position to do any business? And then taking it from there just to see really where they stand. Now, I think when we talked before, you mentioned about, um, you know, you've got different packages and you mentioned something called Business Boost. Is there anything like that you would like to pitch there just so if people want to engage your services, they've got something that they in their mind to, to, to think about? Yeah, absolutely. With Business Boost, the reason it came about is because a lot of businesses I'm speaking to, yes, they're very good at what they do. And they're unsure of what marketing will work for them or they've done it in the past and some elements work some didn't or they, they just haven't got enough information to know yeah. so by creating business booths which is a 12-week consistent marketing plan it then um, bridges the gap between outbound and inbound so rather than just what well, i just use google ads that's all i do for my advertising or i only cold call which are two extreme opposites it's now trying to bring everything together to really see what works best so this is the outbound the finding the right clients the right data emailing and phoning so that's happening so we know we're really targeting the perfect potentially the perfect clients but on the flip side there's also well what about those extra touch points that social media brings so there's uh, maybe bing or google ads etc so that can be running alongside then there's the 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 freer posting of LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. So all of that would then be tied in. And then article creation. So maybe a main article that says that this is who I am, what we do, how we help people. And because a lot of people, their websites are very, I do this, this, and this, but not how I how it impacts the client. Yeah, absolutely. Which is so important because that's the bit that really, really means something to them. Yeah, definitely. And so if they haven't got that or not sure where to start, I would then create an article, let's say on LinkedIn, uh, that meets all of the requirements that a the scientifically proven, if it's between 1900 and 2000 words, and they're the ones that click up the most, or if it, it has to have eight images, sure. not seven, not nine, it's got to have yeah. eight. The title has between 40 and 49 uh, characters. It's things like that. I would then create one that we can draw people to which would naturally take them to the next step, which is uh, either filling in a form or, or however it is, or, or picking up the phone. Yeah, it gives you a talking point then, doesn't it? Something to, to focus on. And it also means that if the website isn't as up to scratch as people would like it to be, then it's not saying, judge me purely on my website. Yeah. It's the content on LinkedIn. If I may, on, on that, that's an interesting point you bring up there. And I'm, I remember, I think it was a blog post on 37 Signals, which is the um, a blog from the company Make Basecamp, project management service, not affiliated in any way. They were saying that you can often use emails as a way of testing out different designs. So before you make wholesale design changes, you can use email as a little way of just t- trying different things out to see what works well, whether people respond well to it. And if they do, um, you can you can sort of take some of those changes elsewhere uh, and make them more permanent. But the nice thing about emails is they're transient. They're, they're just they're going to disappear after a little while. And I guess it, it's the same with this. You don't need to get control of their website or work with their web developers. You can leave all that where it is. You can say, I can work independently just to test all this out and see how it's going to work first, which is probably a relief to them in, for some companies, I imagine. Yeah, so I think tying it all together, having that outbound, having the inbound, if they need a brochure made or they want to have promotional goods sent to the top 10 clients or potential clients, then yeah, all of that can be tied in. And after 12 weeks, it's just looking back and saying, okay, what absolutely, what worked incredibly well? It turns out telemarketing is isn't right for that but the social side wow we got so many visitors and it converted into business 
let's replicate that lands is amazing because it seems to be we're in a niche that isn't being exploited at the moment so it's cheap cost per click <laughs> and it's high conversion so yeah so the 12 12 week business boost plan is about testing every every marketing channel we can at a reasonable cost because this is yeah. 6.99 a month yeah i was about to ask how much is so 6.99 a month excellent pretty reasonable price yeah there is a lot of effort going in but it's also a lot of i think it gives us a good opportunity to really make some business out of it and ultimately do we carry on a month or do they go off and do their own thing and replicate yeah that might be enough you know they might have got what they need out of it or, or you can do more yeah nice well I'll, I'll make sure that link um is on our show notes so people can check that out and have a look i think you've uh, you've put it into our notes um so i'll make sure that's on there um I'm going to promote our service now and do a little bit of sponsoring. <laughs> That's all right. Let me share the screen uh, and bring it up here. This is actually something that we've had in the, well, we've been running for six months now, but I don't know how much I've talked about it on, on the podcast. This is our Inventive Marketing Club. If you go to inventivepeople.co.uk and then click on the Internet Marketing button and then the Internet Marketing Club, you can see a little bit more about it there. But essentially, it's a monthly marketing webinar that I run with clients and other people who are just part of the club. And we dive into subjects such as search optimization, Google Analytics, uh, we've recently covered image editing and lots of other areas. We've been doing it for six months now. And if you subscribe for a year, that's uh, you get a full 12 months of webinars, uh, plus all the other recordings. You can get access to those as well. And it's just £250 excluding VAT. Best way to, to try it out, really, before you buy, not pay anything, is to get a free ticket. So if you just email me, hello at ratherinventive.com, uh, then I'll add you to the guest list and you can come along with everyone else and, and sample the, the topic of that particular month. So that's uh, hello at ratherinventive.com com and i'll add you to the guest list and as a plus if you like it and you want to subscribe for 250 pounds a year then you'll also get a 60 minute one-to-one -one with me to to really get you started and maybe help you follow up in certain areas or, or just help you overcome some some marketing hurdles before you start getting into the webinar that's it that's all i'm going to say what i'd like to do is uh, i've got a few links that i want to talk about the first it's something that caught my eye as it was drifting across social media it was uh, let me bring it up here it's called the man who discovered tetris now wants to save earth if you're interested in the history of tetris it's got a great little description of that in there. I remember playing Tetris in the early days, uh, certainly a little bit on the Game Boy, but in, in various different forms. That There's actually a Tetris company and that it uses that company licenses out trademarks and designs of Tetris to, to various different things. So that's fascinating in itself. So if you're, you're interested in Tetris, just read the article from that. But what caught my eye is about this guy not just telling people that trying to become a lower carbon economy or trying to uh, be more environmentally friendly. He wasn't just telling people that. He, he knew that really to, to to show that it's possible he had to demonstrate it and he had to start with his own house now to be fair his house is fairly large I think he's in Hawaii he's got a lovely a lovely house but he wanted to prove that with the right resources and the right setup you could actually live carbon neutral life and he wanted to do those experiments first because they were costly and he had the money to do that so he wanted to do that and then he could share it with other people and I just thought it's a really fascinating story and there's just one thing that's caught my eye and I'll just skip to the end here the really good comment here we are yeah so this comment and this is what what made me stop and think it echoes something i feel about global warming and the environment and people just are arguing left right and center about it but he said let's stop bellyaching about who's causing it or if it's really happening and let's solve this thing and to me that is the right attitude because it doesn't really matter whether you feel that humans are part uh, or contributing to global warming it doesn't matter whether that's right or wrong 
what matters is that we can live either a low or no carbon lifestyle where, where possible, or we can at least move to that. Because if anything, it's going to be cheaper from our point of view, or it's not going to cost any more in real terms over the long time. The right thing, it's the right attitude is just to really crack on and just get things done. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm waffling on here, Martin. What did you think? I, I love the idea of being fully self-sufficient and certainly living in a manner with, which doesn't make an impact. It's got to mm. be quite a useful thing and definitely where we should probably be going as a society because of how sustainable is you know, the the growth of the population etc etc and i would say yeah if you're not making an impact and you are actively helping and you're not saying well it's not my responsibility and just doing it then it's being the change rather than just talking about it there's an interesting video on here as well which is really worth watching something else he's quite keen on and i think this this links quite neatly with the environmental change is he wants to build a moon base or at least he wants to build the technology that will allow us to work and live on the moon probably the two go hand in hand if we can uh, have more efficient carbon neutral resources that maybe rely more on solar, that that's going to work quite well on uh, places like the moon. It's a really good article. I think it's, it's worth reading just for the history lesson on Tetris alone. It also brings me on to another thought because I went to attended a conference recently. It was actually a WordCamp conference where I volunteered. And it's been twice now that I've had vegan food at conferences. Now, I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian, although I am sympathetic to it. And actually, in, in some ways, want to move to a sort of lower meat lifestyle purely actually because of the challenge i quite like the challenge of cooking with less meat but what struck me is that these conferences put vegan completely vegan food for all of the um, menus throughout the day most people didn't even notice some people loved it very few people complained a couple of people and i just thought it was what an interesting thing to do rather than just think putting the food there as an afterthought something that you have to do is actually to try and make a statement with it to try and make an to try and experiment with it, I thought it was a, a really good idea, and I was I was all for it. A very good um, plan for them. Yeah, I think um, plant based food will be probably the default when it comes to conferences soon enough because the most inclusive. Um, and I would also say from a, a, a wastage point of view, you mentioned not wastage. They did something else that was really nice, and I've not never seen before. Is they packaged all of the food that was uneaten into little brown cardboard boxes and left it for everyone, and encouraged people to take it as on their way home on the train and things like that i was very welcome for that that made up my dinner for the evening but i thought that was a great idea because most would just throw in the bin they would take it away and wouldn't even offer the opportunity for people to to take it with them and it just is crazy making really that you want to waste that much food yeah the carbon footprint getting that food to the table anyway uh, and then needing to throw it away is horrific sure and on in that one conference it's fairly small and insignificant, but you multiply that up by all of the World Camp conferences they're doing, and then all of the conferences in the world, if they just make small changes, it makes a huge difference. Oh. Anyway, it's just, a, it, it was a, I just thought it was a really good idea. People were giving them some flack on Twitter for it, and I just think it needs to be mentioned that I think they're doing the right thing. I suppose like a special dietary requirement, you could say, I would like a meat sandwich. Yeah, maybe it's going to be the other way around, actually. You won't say, I, I have these, I actually need meat. <laughs> just finally to finish, I just want to draw attention to our events. We've got lots going on through the year. We've got actually a LinkedIn event at HSBC, where I met you, actually, Martin. Uh, that's next week. And then something which I'm particularly proud of, uh, I'm doing a presentation called I Made a WordPress Plugin at the Bath Digital Festival, which I'm really pleased to be part of that. My presentation is free, but um, you need to buy one of the uh, Bath Digital Festival passes.
is. And I think they have £15 at the moment. And, and that's for a, a four-day event. So that's definitely worth looking at. Well, lovely. Really good talking to you. It's quite interesting to talk about the cool side of things. Because as you know, I'm, I'm involved in the stats and the website. So actually to, to, to look at this side of marketing is, is a breath of fresh air in, in some respects. Yeah, it's been fun. Where can we find you online, Martin? Uh, so LinkedIn, Double Tap Marketing. Facebook, Double Tap Marketing. Twitter, Double Tap Market. And the main thing, doubletapmarketing.co.uk Lovely. So I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter or you can get us hello at ratherinventive.com You can find the show notes for this episode on our website which is ratherinventive.com slash podcast You can subscribe to our video feed on YouTube so if you're watching it directly you can just subscribe um, in the interface you're already in or if you prefer audio maybe you want to listen to it while you're doing the dishes then subscribe on iTunes Stitcher, Spotify. If you really enjoyed it do support the podcast. It really helps if you were to rate us on iTunes. Um, and don't forget our sponsor. So it's, it's me as sponsor producing this uh, the webinar the internet uh, marketing club every single month for you guys if you want that free ticket email me hello at ratherinventive.com and i'll add you to the guest list thank you very much martin again really good to, to catch up with you hope we can speak again soon and thanks to everyone else